JP Palu Fry here. Before we get started in today's episode, I wanted to make you aware of two resources that are available to you. Number one, are you curious about what your personality type is when you face last 8% situations? Because if you are and you're curious about this really valuable information, you can take our assessment. It's in the show notes, it's free but it'll give you real-time feedback on what is your personality type. Really powerful information. That's number one. Resource number two is, are you struggling with last 8% situations and at times feeling stuck in your career or in some relationships? And if that's the case, we are now accepting registrations for the last eight percent academy this is our hybrid digital live course that we are so excited about it is six weeks long and it's hybrid so part of it is digital right there's app based micro learning you learn on your own in the course of the week in five to seven minute increments and then you also are part of a cohort a group that learns over the six weeks together You have one-hour live classes together. You have a peer coach. All of this is to help you build the accountability so you can step in and face your last 8% situations with more confidence, with more courage. So we would love for you to join us. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to the Last 8% Morning. This is JP Palu Fry. It is so great to be with you today. In today's episode, what do you do when you prepare, prepare, and prepare some more and try to have an effective last 8% conversation? but it doesn't go very well. The other person doesn't respond very well. It can be disheartening and can cause us to back down, to give in in the moment or at a later date. Today we cover what do we do when we face last 8% situations that don't go so well? And how can we learn from women in this respect? We also have a really big announcement about when the Last 8% Academy, our digital course, will launch. Are you ready? Let's walk. Out enjoying this gorgeous day moving as we are able. It is so great to be back with you this week. We start by, as you well know, paying attention to our body, to our belly, to what we hear, to really get out of thinking and planning, which is where we spend most of our time, and instead just be present with what is. So start by feeling your feet, contacting the ground. 
and feel your belly rising and falling. Our body and our breath are with us at all times, in all moments. They are a form of refuge for us. And the more that we tune in, in our mornings or whenever we walk with this podcast, we're building neural pathways so that when we're in that last 8% conversation or decision or any situation where there's more pressure and we feel our body, we feel our belly, it helps us anchor. It brings us perspective. It's very powerful as a resource. So just now feel your body as you're walking. Feel your hands and arms as they move. I hope you're moving. I hope you're not listening to this in your car or in your kitchen. As you know, the design is all about movement. And if you're new to the podcast, we follow a BIG structure. Bunch of B's and I's and G's. Where we get up, we make our bed. If you're not sure why, go listen to an earlier episode. We read our book club which I'm still reading very slowly when things fall apart by Pema Chodron. And then we walk and tune into our belly and our body. Those are the bees. We have an idea of the day. And then we finish with our G's, our goals and our gratitude and some mindful breathing. It's so great to be with you today. So just feel your whole body now. Stand tall. Look around. Feeling grateful. Listen to the sounds that are present. Mindfulness is paying attention on purpose, non-judgmentally. So we can build this quality of non-judgment into our day. So just relax your body. Just feel your the top of your head right now and just relax it. The goal of mindfulness is not to calm or relax ourselves. That might be an outcome. It's just to be present, but we can also help it along sometimes. So again, just feel your whole body. We're going to move to the idea of the day. So feel your body as you're moving. Tune in to listening and reflecting. So you pride yourself as being someone who does difficult things. Who can have the kind of conversations that creates accountability in your organization. Who, and who can be fair but tough when giving feedback. Who can be residue-free in their relationships because they deal with issues head-on. And so you attempt to have a difficult last 8% conversation with someone. Or make a tough last 8% decision. And they don't go well. One of our clients, Pat, described a recent situation where he planned a last 8% conversation with his business partner. And he prepared and he prepared... And he prepared some more. He really put the work in. 
and he handled it as well as one can. And how'd it go? What happened? The individual on the other side flew into incandescent rage at Pat's decision and the conversation. And it made Pat feel awful. He felt terrible inside. He doesn't want to upset people. He felt demoralized. He felt like he wanted to go to bed and watch Netflix all afternoon, even though it was during a work day. Oops. No, sorry. That's what I did um, when I faced a last 8% situation, a conversation that didn't go well not long ago. No, for Pat, actually, he didn't go and watch Netflix all afternoon. But he really felt the effects. And the point is that we will all face setbacks when we engage in last 8% situations. We will face obstacles. We will stumble. Because last 8% situations are, by definition, hard. People don't want to hear that you have a different opinion than them. Or that you are making a decision that might go against what they perceive to be their interest. And they might be their interests. They don't, they don't want to hear feedback that might not fit how they see things. You know, this happens in organizations all the time. Sometimes tough decisions have to be made and not everyone will be happy. And it happens in families, in our personal life all the time. What's at stake if we cannot manage these bumps in the roads, these bumps in the road, these setbacks, these obstacles? Well, Pat will tell you, I will tell you, our emotions can take over, can seize control, can be in the driver's seat and make us feel like we should reconsider, back down, give in, acquiesce. I can tell you I've been there before and I'm doubting myself and I'm wondering, gosh, did I do something wrong? All because of how someone reacted in that moment. I thought, geez, I approached it incorrectly and I got overwhelmed and I acquiesced. I gave in and I didn't follow through. And I got to tell you, this about face made me feel awful inside. That mixture of tension in the body, shame and embarrassment and regret. That's when I ended up watching Netflix in bed all afternoon. Fortunately, I didn't, you know, open a bottle of wine or a beer. That's not really my go-to, but, but, but many of us do have different go-tos potentially like that. And I felt horrible about myself. I felt weak, flawed, or that I'd done it wrong. So what do we do when we face this kind of setback and the prospect of potentially giving in? Well, stand tall, look around, feel grateful feel so fortunate that we are in the golden age of learning and we can learn so much as long as we have the will and we're willing to put in the time and effort. So what do we do when we face this kind of setback? Well, this is when we need to learn from women. Pardon? Say what? Isn't that a generalization? Of course it is. But there's a great deal of research that when women face this kind of situation... They use a different response than men. Men typically go off and isolate themselves. 
not wanting to show emotions. They hide away, licking their wounds in private. And they suffer a lot. Now, in my defense, I would have called, you know, two or three people who are close to me and told them everything, exactly how I was feeling. But nonetheless, this is a really typical way that men deal with this kind of situation. Women, on the other hand, they choose a different approach called tending and befriending. Shelley Taylor at UCLA in the two, in 2000, the year 2000 actually, identified this behavioral pattern. And what it means is that women, as opposed to withdraw, they reach out to their social circle for support after a bad day or a bad moment. They share with their colleagues or with their personal relationships, challenges, and their suffering. In a classic study, mothers were shown to respond to highly stressful work days, like at work, by providing more nurturing behavior even towards their children when they got home. Fathers, on the other hand, who experienced stressful work days were more likely to withdraw from their families or were more interpersonally conflictual that evening, that evening at home. This tend and befriend approach helps women immensely adapt, adapt more effectively to their situation. It's interesting, isn't it? Why am I telling you this story? Well, because you will face setbacks and obstacles when you engage in last 8% situations. And you need to have a strategy to deal with it. And that is why we have made social learning such an integral part of our last 8% Academy digital course that is launching on, drum roll please, wait for it, here's the big announcement, July 1st. That's when we're having our first cohort class go through. More details to follow, but not only do we learn way better when there's a social component as, as part of the design, but it helps us get over these setbacks and obstacles much more effectively. So when it doesn't go well for Pat, it doesn't go well for me, it doesn't go well for you, this social learning is there. And so what does this social learning look like in the last 8% Academy, our digital course? Well, one of the ways we use social learning, there's a, a number, but one of the ways is through a cohort-based approach. What, what does that mean, cohort-based? This means you come into the academy at the same time with other learners and join the online course together. And you move through it at the same pace. But you learn the core content on your own. A little confused? Let me explain. You learn the key ideas on your own time in a self-paced way using bite-sized, three to four minute app-based learning, micro-learning. You do this on your phone or on your browser, but you do it when you want. And then you can go back to it and refresh your memory when you need it, in the flow of work, when you are walking into that last 8% situation so that you can have that learning at your fingertips. You can remember what it is that you want to say and how you want to approach it just in time when you need it. So that's the first part. 
You learn the core idea on your own, you know, in an app. I'm really excited for you to learn that or to, to have you experience that. But while you learn the base content on your own, you engage with other learners in person, in a group over Zoom. In these Zoom sessions, you share what you are learning and discovering in the course. And you discuss it in real time and encourage and support each other to do the same. It's known as a flipped classroom. You learn on your own, you come and discuss it and go deeper with it in the group. As Albert Einstein said, as any fool can know, the point is to understand. And so that's the point of these cohort classes. By the way, we need a sexier name than cohort classes. Please help us. Please send us some ideas on our Facebook group about a better name than cohort classes. Um, but in these classes, you spend time in two parts. One of them is in the larger group where you discuss the ideas from the course. So you go deeper as Einstein talks about. You understand it. You don't just learn it. You understand it. That's part of the time. The other part of the time is spent with one other learner in a breakout room for two. So there's two of you. And this is all part of the same Zoom call. And this person is your peer coach. And you are their peer coach. And you coach each other on what each are particularly facing. You know, the challenging situations that each are facing. You're given all of the training, by the way, to be a peer coach in the course. That's part of the content of the course. So you're actually learning coaching skills. And you're given all the questions to ask. So you're not flying blind. And of course, as are they. And so you are coached on dealing with the setback or obstacle that you're facing. And what we know is that, because we've tested this, you start to look at the situation differently. You become more resilient and you take action. That's the part that's so important. You take action. As Steve Jobs said, ideas without action aren't ideas. They're regrets. And as you know, at the last 8% project, we are all about decreasing regrets. 85% of people die with a significant regret in their life. I don't want that to be what happens to you or me. And so we know from research that when you study alone, you typically remember about 28% of what you learned. When you repeat the material, 46%. But when you use it, when you talk about it, interact with others, answer questions about it, you remember 69%. The reason, merely recalling, conceptualizing, hearing others talk about it, using the information in a different way creates memory pathways that stick in your mind. Confucius said, by three methods we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is noblest. Second, by imitation, which is easiest. And third, by experience, which is the bitterest. And while that is true that you will retain more because you go deeper, 
in our cohort classes and in the wider community. There's going to be a whole bunch of other things we're going to tell you about. The far bigger advantage is what we know from women and how they respond to setbacks. This tend and befriend approach that when you share with someone else in your peer coaching session, the challenge, maybe the emotions you're experiencing, you become far more resilient and you don't back down when things get hot. And you feel a little less alone. And that feeling less alone, you know, in that feeling less alone, you are re-inspired to not give up, to keep moving forward in the face of what we just do face in our lives, last 8% situations. Standing tall, looking around, feeling grateful. Feeling so fortunate to do this work, to move our bodies as we are able. In July 1st, big day, big day. We'll be telling you more about the launch, July 1st launch in future episodes. But we are over the moon excited about this offering because we absolutely believe it is going to change people's lives. We're going to create a whole community of people, of last eight percenters, who are supporting each other to move in, as opposed to back off and avoid, to be more effective and manage their emotions, right? To manage their emotions, learn tools to manage their emotions so they can have more courage. And so... They end up with less regret. So let's move to our three by three. Three mindful breaths right down to your toes, calming this body. Wonderful. Three gratitudes. What can you feel grateful for in this moment? Wonderful. Now three goals for the day. What do you want to get done today? Fantastic. Now bringing this energy of focus and momentum into our day. Knowing that there is a balance between kind of being quiet and reflecting and being mindful and also being in the world and social and engaging. And we need both. Let me finish with a great quote from the Buddha, a short quote. The quieter you become, the more you can hear. The quieter you become, the more you can hear. 
Have a wonderful day.